Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Thank you for joining us on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast for the latest episodes and new updates. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Podcast. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Also, this Sunday, we'll be having a 9 a.m. indoor service and 10.30 outdoor service in English and 11.45 indoor service in Spanish. Good morning, church. It's great to be with you guys this morning. It's a privilege to uh, open God's Word together and be in worship and uh, the tongues of many nations. That's pretty special this morning. So my name is uh, Jared Link. I'm the campus minister at our East Rock campus, as Pastor Adrian said. And uh, last week, if you were here with us or if you were able to join online, uh, Pastor Adrian said we were going to put our toes into the water of our mission statement. And you guys know this so well by now, but our mission statement is that Here at the Church of the Nazarene, we are transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. Now, as we stuck our toes in the water of that last week, myself and Pastor Terry Wyant Vargo had the opportunity to literally get into the waters of transformation yesterday in the East Rock community where we had and celebrated our first baptism. Now, that may sound like an East Rock story, but that's truly a transformation story. Because as we celebrate baptism, we are identifying with Jesus' life, death, and resurrection as we come out of those chilly waters. But uh, so to speak, we're going to take a deep dive today into the idea of transformation, to be transformed. Um, Let's start with a word of prayer. We've been praying a lot, but uh, let's let's take one more turn. So Lord, uh, this is your hour. Lord God, we acknowledge your presence, and we ask today that, Lord, you be glorified by the opening of your word and by the worship, Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship today. And so, Lord, um, open our hearts to what you're doing today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So if we're going to look closely at what it means to be transformed, let's start with the dictionary. So what does transformed, defined, technically mean? You can, if you go to Merriam-Webster, you might find definitions like to change in composition or structure to change an outward form or appearance. And finally here, we're starting to get to a little bit what it means in our context, to change in character or condition. So to be transformed is to change in character or condition, or maybe in our case, both. So we acknowledge that there are really two aspects of transformation as we're gonna take part and journey forward today in our mission statement, that we believe God can and does act in an instant to transform. We acknowledge that element of transformation and we also acknowledge that transformation can be a lifetime of being molded and formed and called to be in his image. But today specifically, we're going to look at the instantaneous nature of transformation by Jesus Christ. Now, I'm just going to have a moment of confession with you that I'm an instant gratification kind of guy. Like, if there was 10G cell phone service, I'd be the one that wanted it. Like, a page taking too long to load is not me. So this fits right here with me. I'm pretty tickled to get the now aspect of transformation. Don't judge me. You know you're the same way. But this aspect that we are acknowledged that God is powerful and he is sovereign and he is able to move in an instant. 
And that's what we're going to dive into today. Uh, if you would open your copy of Scripture with me today, we're going to start out today in 2 Corinthians 5. You're, we're no strangers to this passage here of late. And we're going to pick up in verse 14. I'm going to be reading from the NIV today, and I encourage you to follow along with your digital copy of Scripture or the old-fashioned paper. So 2 Corinthians 5, uh, beginning in verse 14, and just listen for words of the now aspect of transformation, of the immediate aspect of this. So again, Paul speaking, he says in verse 14, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And again, let's catch 17 again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you hear the present tense there, in Christ, the new creation has come. New creation has come. You hear that present tense again. The old has gone and the new is here. Friends, you can hear how Paul is encouraging the believers in Corinth that the transformation that they have experienced in Christ as believers is now, that our status is changed now. But he also brings in this idea of the old has gone. The old is no longer here, it's behind us. But I think to get a, a good deep view of what we're talking about when we say we are transformed by God, we, we need to understand what we're transformed from. Because there's this picture that we are being transformed or we are transformed. We had to exist somehow to begin with. So what's that original state? What's the old? Now, don't panic, but we've got to go all the way back to the beginning of Scripture in Genesis to look at creation. Now, when we get this idea that we were created in God's image, we're all familiar with that within the church. We had this idea that we were originally created without sin that we were made in God's image. We had a purpose and a vocation here on earth in God's design. Author and scholar N.T. Wright says, humans were made to be image bearers, to reflect the praises of creation back to the creator and to reflect the creator's wise and loving stewardship into the world. So we were made to worship. We were made to give God adoration and praise and honor and the glory that is due him. And we were also to reflect his wise stewardship into creation. So we were made to worship and we were made to tend and work in the garden, a part of God's design. Now, if you're familiar with the story in Genesis, we didn't make it in that original vocation very far. There was a serpent that came in, a, a tool of the enemy that came in and deceived our original parents, deceived Adam and Eve into sin. And what that happens, N.T. Wright likens it to an angled mirror that we were once set up to reflect directly back to God, but when sin entered, we have been bent and we have been distorted by sin's power and authority and that we are no longer reflecting God's adoration back to him when we are in this life of sin. And so... 
there's this sense that we are no longer in the old fulfilling what we were made for. It's like trying to take a car out onto a lake. It's just not going to go well for you because it's not made for that. And we were not created to be under the dominion and the power of sin. But as Paul is saying that the old has gone, that's what he's talking about. It's this idea of old, this former life, the life in the flesh, the life of sin. And what, what is, what's hard to kind of grasp about this is that sin is the breaking of a moral code. There are, we can recite the Ten Commandments, and when we fall short of that, that is sin. But also within this understanding of sin is that as we are worshiping things which are not God, remember, our, we are distorted, we're giving adoration and praise to things of the world, that there are an influence or a power exhibited over us. And we sing songs about being liberated from this. And, you know, my chains are gone. I've been set free. Those chains are these powers that exist when we are worshiping things which are not God. We are giving away our God-given nature to things of the world. And to get, a, to get an analogy of this, I was just trying to think of something in our world that, that commonly um, is a little different. I have about oh, $2,500 up here. It's green money. There's some hundreds, some 20s, some 10s. There's about $2,500 here of money. I'm not worried about anybody trying to get this from me at the end of service, except Pastor Julie, who gave it to me. Because this, this is not money, but it's paper with green ink. But you see, you can get a sense that if this was really $2,500, if we're honest, something inside of us goes, man, I'd like to get a hold of that. I could use that. We give this authority. Now, money in and of itself is not bad. Scripture tells us it's the love of money. And there you get that sense of it's an adoration. It's a worship of the money that is the problem. What about something else? What's another example? If you've ever been addicted in here, and I can testify, I have an addictive personality. If you've ever been gripped by addiction, you understand that grasp that it has on you, that we can set alcohol here and it won't jump off that table, it won't attack us, but if we give in to its authority, it has a grip on us. And that's this idea that we're talking about where we are not only breaking a moral code, we're breaking God's standards, but we have also given part, we're giving power to these things which are not God. Paul talks about this in Romans uh, Romans chapter 6, Paul says, beginning in verse 19, he says this. He says, I am using an example from your everyday life because of your human limitations. If you didn't pick up on that, he's saying, I'm using this example because you just don't get it. There's nothing like getting called out in Scripture, right? So he says, I am using an example from your everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. Verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. 21, what benefit did you reap from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. Verse 23, for the wages of sin 
is death, but, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as you listen to this text, you, you hear and get this understanding that we are offering ourselves to elements that are not of God. When we hear that we are offering ourselves as slaves to unrighteousness, to impurity, there's this sense that we are making a conscious decision to continue to give these forces, these elements, influence over us. And the idea of being a slave implies that we are indebted to this power, to this thing that which is not God. We belong to sin in our old life. We get the idea that it is also ever-increasing. Paul says we are uh, offering ourselves a slave to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. That as we're doing this, we are growing in wickedness. We become more indebted, more enslaved to this old life. This life that we live in the old, apart from God's transformation, this life we live is really a living death. Death here is not an arbitrary punishment for broken rules. It's the result of that ever-increasing. We are continually becoming less and less human, less and less as God made us to be when we continue in sin. But praise God, Paul didn't leave us without hope in this passage because he he makes it very clear the wage, what we earn, what we deserve in this life when we are in sin is death. But what we can't necessarily earn, what we didn't deserve is the gift. And that gift is eternal life in Jesus Christ. This power that we have given over to other forces, to idols, this living death is what we need transformation from. When we say we are transformed, that's what we're leaving behind. That's the opportunity that exists in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is that we can be brought out of this living death and given new life. Now, the picture of the old life is not a fun one to paint. It's kind of bleak because I feel like, if we're honest, that that might be our story now. That may have been our story five years ago, five minutes ago, or 50 years ago. There's this element where we remember that aspect or we can recognize it. And so that sets us up for a great display and show of God's mercy and his grace in our lives and transformation. So now that we have described this, we believe that the power of transformation is only available through Jesus Christ, through his suffering, through his work on the cross, that when we talk about God coming on a rescue mission, the old is what we're being rescued from. So what what is this element of transformation? Like this is going to be almost like a slow-mo replay on a sporting event where we are going to analyze a little bit of what makes up transformation. When we say we are transformed, what's taken shape? So we've got where we started We're going to take a real close look, a slow-mo play of what some of the elements of transformation are. Now, admittedly, we're trying to put human vocabulary onto a divine work of grace. There are limitations, but we're going to do our best today to point out some aspects of what happens in instantaneous transformation. First, we have to understand that when Jesus Christ came, his life death and resurrection is our only hope for transformation. 
There is no other way apart from the cross of Christ. There is no other self-help. There's no other class. There's no other book to read to understand that we have a deficit. We have a need to be restored, to be transformed by the blood of Christ. And we understand that his atoning sacrifice, so when we start looking at the elements of transformation, Christ's atonement is really the first place that it begins. And that simply is saying that his work on the cross, his blood shed on the cross was enough. It was sufficient to not only forgive us of our sins, our shortcomings, our breaking of the moral law, but his death on the cross is sufficient and all power and all-powerful in breaking the chains that bind us. Remember, we talked about how we give influence to things that are not God. Christ's death on the cross banished, exterminated those powers. You can hear this truth again from the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13 through 15 when he says, when you were dead in your sins, past tense, when you were dead in your sins in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Friends, we understand that the cross is a moment. There is a moment in time where Jesus paid the price, where he made a way that we can be transformed our calendars testify to that moment every day as we write 2020. Some of y'all can't wait to write 2021 for a new start. But every day we are testifying to the moment, the instant that Christ broke through. And we understand in this element of transformation and our transformation from living death to living life that it's his atonement. Next, as we're in this living death, this mode of ever-increasing wickedness, it will come as no surprise that we don't naturally desire the Spirit. We don't naturally desire the things of God. Uh, our emotions will tend to lie to us, to not be an accurate bearing point or an indicator of what we're doing. And so sin can be fun. You can have the time of your life living away from the world, but that does not take away from the reality that you are living in death. And so what, what draws us, what breaks in to begin to turn us, to get us to understand the element of new life? And within the church, we call it provenient grace. The grace of God that comes after us, that graciously calls us out of this life of death, out of this life of sin. He alone, he, the Holy Spirit, is giving us conviction, not condemnation, but conviction of our sins and the state and the heart and our heart condition. We become aware, we begin to, again, our emotions are not a great indicator, but the Holy Spirit in provenient grace comes and is wooing us to a new life. And provenient grace is drawing us towards another moment, a moment of repentance. A moment of repentance. Within the Church of the Nazarene, we define repentance as a sincere and thorough change of mind with regard to sin, involving a sense of personal guilt and a voluntary turning away from sin. God's grace leads us in conviction, and it sustains us in repentance as we turn from that old life 
and we turn to new life in Christ, we repent of our sins, there's another moment. And like two sides of the same coin, repentance is paired at that moment when we turn to him by grace in repentance we are at first justified which means that our sins are forgiven and we are declared not guilty in the presence of God we are reconciled and brought back into relationship with him that we were created for in the garden we are brought back to relationship with the one who made us and we are, so we are justified and forgiven. We are also regenerated. The Spirit births in us new life. And you can hear Jesus' words to Nicodemus when he says, ye must be born again. That's what he was talking about. That it wasn't all of Nicodemus' accolades in the religious world. It was about the Holy Spirit birthing new life in him. And that's what we get to experience in transformation and a part of that, we are also adopted. We are brought into the family of God. Our legal standing is traded from belonging to the world to being a part of the family of God. It happens in a moment. It happens in a moment. Some of you can testify to that moment. It may have been 30 years ago. Praise God. We serve a God who has the power to resurrect and to transform in a moment. Paul's words, it says, anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, friends. We have an opportunity not to be enslaved to the powers of the world, not to be indebted to things like, I mean, take the big three, money, sex, and power. God has broken that authority. And if we will turn to him, we can be transformed by his amazing grace. Now, we affirm that this, this transformation takes shape in a moment. And we also affirm that this, this transformation, this new life being birthed into us, translates into a lifetime of transformation. Now, what is a classic preacher move, you're going to have to come back next week to hear Pastor Adrian tease out a little bit what this life of transformation looks like. But we testify that this life that is birthed in us in an instant will transcend our time frame here on earth to eternity because the life that is birthed in us is not death but eternal life. And it will transcend our lives here and into eternity. Friends, that's good news. Because apart from Christ, there's really no other way. There's no other way. Now, as we, are, as we are born again, we know that we are setting out in something different. And if you would continue in 2 Corinthians reading beyond 17, you can remember this from just a couple of months ago, probably within our church, and we were praying 518 prayers. This idea of being transformed is not just so that we can sit in the trophy case of grace. Though we are a trophy of God's grace, we are then enacted in the kingdom of God to bear his image within our world. If you read on in that passage from Corinthians, the old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself and Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us, those who believe in him, those who are a part of the kingdom, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
He has committed the message of transformation, being brought back into right relationship with God. He's committed that to us as believers, as those who have been transformed. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are not just walking through our world, not even in the year 2020 are we walking defeated because we have experienced the new life. We have experienced Christ in us, the hope of glory. We are Christ's ambassadors. In my travels uh, here of late, I've met a gentleman uh, whose former life, his life of living death, involved a lot of sexual immorality and just a wild lifestyle. And God's transformation started with him when somebody gave him a Bible. And he will testify that when he opened this Bible, that is the leading of provenient grace to even open the word. He said, God spoke to me and said, get a notepad, this is not a novel. God was doing something in his heart. And so he'll go on to share, and if you encounter him, he'll share his testimony with you. And he will go on to tell the things that he has been transformed from, the life he was redeemed from. And he gives testimonies, goes, how incredible is it that the God of the universe indwells us now? How great is our God? And amen to that. And he says, you know, I don't understand why Christians can't stop talking about this. He said, I I go a lot of places and meet a lot of people and nobody's excited about what God's done for them. And I'm just going to be honest, friends, that caught me a little bit. Because we've painted the picture of what it looks like to be living death. And we understand the miracle of grace that God does in transformation, that we can be called his children. We can't earn it, don't deserve it, but he gives eternal life to us. That's exciting. That's exciting. That bears repeating That bears testimony. That bears giving your life to see that message proclaimed. And he asks, my friend asks, he puts it pretty bluntly, why are Christians so boring? You got me. You got me. This life, friends, if in our today's context, if you are walking around in your pocket with the antidote or the cure to covid And we didn't tell anyone. You didn't make that information known. You didn't communicate that. You're just walking around in your pocket. Cure for corona. Tank the world's economy. Millions of lives lost. Cures in your pocket. Friend, the disease and sickness of sin takes more life than corona ever has and ever will. And we have the antidote in Jesus Christ. We are not it, but we possess it and we can point people to it. Because as God's provenient grace is going forth, going out before you everywhere you go in people's lives, somebody might just be waiting for a word of hope. Because this life that's birthed in us bears fruit of joy, peace, patience, kindness. Couldn't we all stand to see some more of that in our world, in our social media accounts? Love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. Friends, we have the good news in Christ. We can point people to him. The transformation wrought in an instant is what our world is starving for. As Aubrey comes today, we're going to just take a moment to respond. We affirm that there are moments in our lives, 
I, I can point to you after my moment of transformation, I, I can point to you the moment uh, that God had been working on me and I gave up alcohol. I would argue and say I wasn't necessarily addicted, but in reality, I was. Friends, there are more moments coming in our journey with Christ, but it begins with turning to him as Lord and Savior, with inviting him to be Lord of your life. I can tell you where, I can take you and tell you where I was standing when I surrendered all to Jesus. And that was the beginning point of why I'm standing here today because he had a call on my life that I was kind of pushing back on. I didn't, I didn't really want to go down that road. But friends, there are moments of grace. There are moments of grace that we are called into. So I ask you today, what's the Holy Spirit impressing on you today? We might have talked about this living death and you go, wow, did you read my life this week? It's real, friends, and it's hard. But the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we have hope. Those powers, that death has been defeated if we will put our trust in him and invite him into our heart. Friend, if that's you today and you feel that pull on your heart, that is the Lord of the universe calling you home. That's not bad pizza or tie from last night. That's God of the universe calling you home. Your moment of transformation can be right now by grace through faith. That moment may have been for you 20 years ago and you can point to your life today and go, I'm not living the way I need to. God's transforming grace is available in a moment moment we can't always testify why some people why sometimes God's transformation can take a lifetime it's his sovereignty we have to submit to it but we can also testify to the countless testimonies represented in this room I see them sitting around here of God's transformation in a moment won't we believe that he can do it again would you pray with me this morning Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we love you today. Lord God, we thank you for your amazing grace and how you, how you came. You didn't leave us in a life of sin bound by the powers that we had handed over. But Lord God, you came that we could be redeemed. You came. Your work on the cross today, Lord God, we say thank you. We say thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace at work in our hearts. Father, I pray for the heart today that is in need of transformation, that it has come into this service, whether in the building or online, and just say, I am living death, I need help. Holy Spirit, move upon their hearts. That transformation is invited in a moment, Lord God. You say that if we will confess you as our Lord and Savior and just confess that we need forgiveness and to be birthed into new life, that you will save us. Friend, if that's you today, if living death is the title hanging over this past week, 
won't you come in to transformation? Allow the God of the universe to transform you in a moment and start a new life. His grace is sufficient for us. It doesn't matter what your living death displayed, no matter how bad you think you've been, it's nothing that the cross can't conquer and hasn't already defeated. Friend, won't you turn to him today? Jesus, as we have recounted your great grace and our need, Lord, we have an opportunity to say thank you for what you have done in our lives. Lord Jesus, we desire to continue to be transformed in your image, Lord Jesus. May not a moment go by that we are not growing in your grace, being transformed by you the duration of our days and into eternity, Lord. Father, I pray for that heart today that's maybe been holding back. Maybe your transforming grace today, God, is someone surrendering to your call in a moment. Maybe it's laying down an addiction. Maybe it's mending a relationship. But Lord God, whatever that is, I pray today that we would be found obedient to your grace, to your leading, Lord, to your desire to transform. And Lord God, as we are transformed, may we go into our world with a hope, with the good news, the excitement that the God of the universe lives in us and dwells in us as we are transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. Lord Jesus, we need you today. This transformation is something we can't do on our own. Father, we need you today. Just going to linger a moment. We're going to close the service here in just a second. We're going to go forth into our world. Friends, we have an opportunity to go forth transformed to be a part of bringing hope to others. Won't you be transformed today? Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.